Mamma Mia subscribers, you've been asking and we've been listening. Now you can get all of your exclusive subscriber audio on Apple Podcasts. That includes everything from bonus episodes of your favourite pods to exclusive segments to all of our audio series. To link your Mamma Mia subscription to Apple Podcasts, open the Mamma Mia Out Loud page in your Apple Podcasts app and follow the prompts or head to help.mamamia.com.au. You're listening to a Mamma Mia podcast. Mamma Mia acknowledges the traditional owners of the land we have recorded this podcast on, the Gadigal people of the Eora Nation. We pay our respects to their elders, past and present, and extend that respect to all Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander cultures. Welcome to Mum Mia Out Loud, what women are talking about on Friday the 12th of August. I'm Jessie Stevens. I'm Mia Friedman. And I'm Susan Carlin filling in for Holly Wainwright. And on the show today, who the hell is Andrew Tate and why is everyone talking about him? A lot of people ask me, Andrew, why do you have a machete next year? Why don't you have a machete next year? I genuinely don't know the answer to that, so I need you to Our listeners tell will me. be divided, I think, in terms of whether they've heard of him and whether they haven't. And our best and worst of the week. But first, Mia. Tommy Lee went rogue on Instagram. I was at dinner last night with a mate, so I was one of the ones that missed it. And in case you also missed it, Tommy Lee's the former husband of Pamela Anderson and he's also the drummer of a band called Motley Crue. You'll be happy to know I can't sing any of their songs because I don't know what they are. Look, he posted a full frontal nude photo of himself to Instagram last night and it blew up the internet as these things do. Susan, needless to say, I imagine you're not across this. No, I am not. I did start to see it on some news headlines. I was like, why would anyone want to see that? Why did he post it? Susan, why does Tommy Lee do anything? The reason I am obsessed with this is because a 59-year-old man posted a thirst trap. That is the only way it can be described. It is what women are doing on the internet every day, but he got the high angle. Can you explain what a thirst trap is? A thirst trap is when you see certain influencers, women, post a really sexy image of them on the internet and they've because they're thirsty for compliments and yeah. validation and praise and for people to desire them it's that's and what a thirst trap yes is. I guess you could call it like objectifying themselves and yeah. putting themselves in a sexual pose and he has his legs spread clenching his stomach muscles and he's got a high angle so that yeah he's got his angles right he's got his angles perfectly and he's clearly done the spread over a pool of some sort. Because That's odd. We see in a ref- bath or a spa. Yeah, we see the reflection of the mm. genitals in the pool, which is beautiful. It's, it's an underneath really nice- reflection. It's quite an artistic shot. It looks a lot like a baby's forearm, really. <laughs> so what this sounds like to me, because when I first saw the story, I thought, oh, it must have been an accident. This is clearly intentional that he like he wanted to take this photo and post it. The caption that he wrote was, oops, this is not an accidental <laughs> Photo. But what's interesting and the reason that we're talking about it is because Instagram has a very strict anti-nudity policy. You're not allowed to post photos, I don't think, of breastfeeding, Mm -hmm. no lady nipples. Men's nipples are fine. Tommy Lee's nipples were in them, both are pierced. His pain is pretty much the only part of him that isn't tattooed or pierced. But this photo stayed up on Instagram for six hours. 
that is what a does long that tell time, you about double standards? Especially when he has such a massive profile. Like how many followers has he got? One point five million. So he's a pretty big player. It's not like no one noticed. No. And then he's put up a a bunch of things. It was like he was teasing that he was going to post this with the post before. So he posted like a little Buddha holding a banana and then another thing of like a man standing in front of an elephant and the elephant making a joke about how small his trunk is. He put up a thing of like a dolphin. His willy does look a bit like a dolphin actually, like a a bit slimy. And then it had a dolphin and it was like, I love playing or something. It was about how he was playing with us. Susan, my question is, how... Go do Wordle or something. How have you avoided looking at it? When I heard Tommy Lee's put his willy up, I broke my (laughs) thumb and I was like, I'm going to look. I obviously zoomed in. I screenshot. I said, everyone, closer look. Susan, what are you doing with your time? I don't understand. (gasps) This isn't, for me, a matter of, like, self-restraint, like, oh, you know, I I really want to but I I must hold back. (laughs) I cannot tell you how much I don't want. Like, if a six-year-old guy was in my house and just dropped his trousers, I'd be like, oh. No, there are laws against that, Suze. There are laws. There are also laws, interestingly, there are laws against sending dick pics, unwanted dick Mm. pics. But if you're just scrolling through your phone, I mean, admittedly, you would have to be following Tommy Lee, so maybe it's on you and curate your feed a little bit better. But I don't think that's what you want to see on Instagram. Yeah, but as Jermaine Greer once said many years ago, the thing you, you can do when a man shows you his willy and thinks it's very, very powerful, the best thing you can do is have a giggle. And the fact that women are having a mm. big old giggle about it and going, well, this is silly. I keep trying to come up with a feminist analysis, you know, hot take. There isn't really one. I, Except it's unfair about the nipples. It definitely is, but it's yeah. also we just, just silly, willy. some more fun. And Tommy Lee, thank you for making my Thursday night. Mindy Kaling has been featured in Marie Claire's recent issue and she's offered a piece of advice that I think we need to discuss. Now, before we get to that, in case you're wondering who Mindy Kaling is, she was in The Office, she did The Mindy Project, she co-created Never Have I Ever on Netflix. She also did The Sex Lies of College Girls. Now, in this feature in Marie Claire, she spoke about her career and being a mother. She's a single mum to two children. And as she was talking about becoming a mother, she offered this piece of advice to women saying, freeze your eggs. And she goes on to say, I wish every 19-year-old girl would come home from college and that the gift, instead of buying them jewellery or a vacation or whatever, is that their parents would take them to freeze their eggs. They could do that once and have all these eggs for them for their futures to focus in your 20s and your 30s on your career and yes, love, but to know that when you're emotionally ready and if you don't have a partner, you can still have children. Now, Mindy hasn't spoken about how her children were conceived, understandably saying that that's private and she wants to safeguard that for her kids. But she did say, I waited until I had the means and that made all the difference. The choice to have a child by yourself on your own terms, it was the best part of my life. It's the thing that I hope women feel confident doing by themselves. Jessie, is giving egg freezing to a 19-year-old university graduate a good gift? I'm really glad that you provided the context there because a lot of people are saying 
Mindy Kaling just told everyone to go and freeze their eggs and doesn't she know it's expensive and blah, blah, blah. She acknowledged that in the piece and that it, you know, it's not available to everyone. But look, I mean, most people actually aren't given a car when they finish college. So it's not like a car or egg freezing. I didn't say to my mum, don't worry about the car, I'll take the eggs. I don't think I got anything. I didn't get anything. Well, I didn't finish uni, so, so I certainly didn't get anything. anything. I dropped out. I just got a smack and some disdain. So I know what she's saying, but I worry a little bit as someone who is exploring these options now that women are being oversold and undereducated because this egg freezing is an imperfect insurance policy. If you look at the statistics and they're very, very hard to nail down because it is so new, but there are women freezing their eggs who when they then go to use them, it doesn't work for whatever reason. So to suggest that this is foolproof and that you can Some people call it age banking. It's like you can freeze a part of yourself Mm. and then when you're 35, you're 40, you can go, all right, I'm ready. Some women are going to be let down by that. It is a false hope. So there's no guarantees. But it's better than not freezing your eggs and deciding at 40 or experiencing infertility issues when you want to have children maybe in your 30s. Yes, but what it also overlooks are things like that it's invasive, that it's uncomfortable, that it – I don't think we talk enough about – you know, the procedure itself. I know a few people who've done it and it's all of those things and more. But I think what it does is we keep trying to kid ourselves that we can outrun biology. So we keep trying to say, if I inject my face with Botox and use these fancy creams, and if I feel young and still shop at Glassons, then Somehow, when I want to have a baby and I'm 38 or 42, it'll all be okay. And of course, you can't. You can look as young as you want on the outside, but you can't actually put Botox in your ovaries. I guess this is a a way of trying to do that. But what it can't also do is change the way you're going to feel. Like your biology, not for everybody, but your biological clock for many women is real. And you do start to feel that pull and that urge. And just because you've got some eggs on ice doesn't necessarily mean Mm, you won't feel that. You can control your nature. It also gives us a false sense of how much we can control. And I I think that's a bit dangerous. And I I read a really good piece in, in The Guardian, we'll link to it, all about egg freezing and the complications. But it said egg freezing is an individual solution to what we ought to recognize as a social problem. And I do think that there's now all this pressure on women when it comes to go and freeze your eggs, blah, blah, blah. I don't think it's a social problem. It's a biological problem. You've only got so many years to have a baby yes, and to your eggs Yes, social problem. I mean, one of the social problems is economic. It's if you do not feel like you're in a position to have a baby until you're 40, that's a bigger conversation. And our biology isn't going to wait. Type Suze, thing. would you pay to freeze your daughter's eggs? Because I would. This is a big part of this that I found interesting in a comment. It's not just about women freeze your eggs. It was the idea that the parents would like give it as a gift, which I feel is like a real shift because normally when we talk about having a baby, it's a very private thing. Mm. It's the matter for the individual who wants to have a baby and perhaps their partner if they have one. This is advocating bringing in the parents. I don't know. And is that a good thing? Maybe it is. Maybe it stops it being such an individual burden, sort of as you mentioned, Jesse. But 
I don't know. Like, how would people feel about their parents inviting themselves into this conversation? Well, this happened on the Kardashians. Chris Jenner brought it up with the tall one who's a model. Kendall. The only one that doesn't have babies mm. and said... Every year that goes by, your eggs, the count goes down a little bit. And she's like, I'm not talking to you about this. Mm. Wow. But that's because she's got lots of money and she doesn't need Chris's money. I think, like you said, though, Jesse. It's not a very high success rate. I saw a thing on the BBC that said at best it's a 20% success rate. So You have a better rate if you freeze an embryo. So if you find someone who's got some sperm that you also want to have a baby with sometime in the indeterminate future, easy, much better. Out louders, what do you think? Would you pay to freeze your child's eggs, even if you don't have a child, would you theoretically? Mm. And... Would you accept money from your parents to freeze your own eggs when you were 19 or 20? Head into the Outladders group on Facebook. I just had to call in because for once, very rarely does this happen, I couldn't disagree with you more about the mother-in-law. Hi there, my name's Sarah. I'm calling from Melbourne. I just want to say I absolutely love your show. I listen to it every week. Love your work, ladies. Love listening to Mamma Mia out loud. Never stop. Thank you. I love the show. Move by Mamma Mia is the exercise app for anybody, anywhere. And in case you missed it, we dropped a brand new stretching collection that can be used to improve mobility and bookend your favourite sweat sessions. Mamma Mia subscribers get unlimited access to Move, and we drop new workouts every single week. If you're on the hunt for movement that makes you feel good, head to move.mamamia.com.au and use the code MOVE10 to get $10 off a yearly subscription. Over the last few weeks, you might have heard the name Andrew Tate. If you're my friend, you just can't be a pussy. I had a heart attack. Get the fuck up. Andrew Tate is a 35-year-old man from the UK, he's British-American, who thinks suicide is for cowards, he doesn't know why women are allowed to drive, and he says he doesn't have time for any woman who thinks she's equal to a man. In 2017, he was charged with 11 cases regarding sexual assault, and he claims that he's turning boys into men. So is he like... Jordan Peterson, but on steroids. He's been compared to Jordan Peterson, Joe Rogan, that sort of man who is talking a lot about masculinity. I mean, the difference mm. with a Jordan Peterson is that he is a psychologist who mm. has a PhD and all of that. Andrew Tate, not so much. What did this guy do for a job before? Well, he uh, was on Big Brother in 2016. Oh, um, of course. He sells this thing called Hustlers University, which is a course in making wealth, right? Just to give you a sense, here's a little bit of what Andrew Tate has to say. Anything that is violence related, women should be nowhere near. So I'll give you an example. My woman is very well trained that if it goes off in the street, she needs to just run and scream. And I was looking at a lot of this and going, why does any of this matter? Why are we giving this man a platform? He's saying ridiculous things. I'll tell you why this matters. He is the single most viral person on the planet. He is more searched than Donald Trump, than Kim Kardashian. I've got to look him up because I've never heard of him. Yep. And it's, I feel out of the loop. Is that because he wouldn't be in my world? No, but I guarantee your son oh, that no, he's don't. getting a lot of Andrew Tate. He appeals to sort of young boys and men. He's all over TikTok. He actually doesn't have a profile, but oh, videos no. of him being shared. 
they're all over TikTok and Instagram are sort of the big platforms. And I think YouTube and Twitch, which all the Gamers. boys are using. He's a former professional kickboxer mm-hmm. and looks like one. So Gemma Bath wrote an article for Mamma Mia about him this week and what he stands for. So I'm going to read out sort of a little bit of a Andrew Tate manifesto in case you want to get across what he believes in. He believes women belong to men. And so if she is on OnlyFans, for example, then half of her profits have to go to the man she's with because he owns her. He thinks women exchange sex for opportunity. That was something he said a lot around the time of the Me Too movement. What kind of opportunity? Oh, well, like jobs. Yes, exactly promotions. Right. And he said, if you put yourself in a position to be raped, you must bear some responsibility. He then moved to Romania because it's easier to get off rape charges. <gasps> It seems he's currently being investigated by Romanian police after allegations that he detained a woman in his home who was being trafficked and who had been raped. So he'll be in jail soon, will he? And not able to make more videos? That's the big question because he's been accused of sexual assault. What is going on here in, in terms of actually being a criminal? There are videos where he threatens to beat a woman he's with saying if she didn't misbehave, he wouldn't have to. He's framed as the king of toxic masculinity. He seems to appeal to men who want to learn about business, how to be a man and dating tips. Susan, the question I keep coming to about Andrew Tate is, yeah, yeah, we know he's bad and I don't understand that, but why the popularity? Why is he going so viral? Why does he have such currency at the moment, do you think? I come to this with no answers and a lot of questions. My son, my youngest, is 15 and his friends are talking about Andrew Tate. Even before we were having this conversation earlier this week, because of hearing my son talk about this with his friends, and I Googled, why is Andrew Tate so popular? And I couldn't actually get a lot of answers. So the only thing I can think of is that he is giving boys and young men an example of manhood or masculinity that they want to adopt or they think is ideal or attractive. And I wonder if it's because we are not giving boys a better alternative. Young boys and men are wanting to know how to be men, just like, you know, girls and women want to know what does it mean to be a woman. And I think women and feminism has done a much better job of articulating that for women. Of course, there are still kerfuffles and, you know, we debate things or whatever, But I think it's much more straightforward for women to understand what it means to be a woman or acceptable, quote, unquote, womanhood. Whereas I think there's a lot more confusion for men and young men about what does it mean to be a man and what's okay to be a man. And so they're looking for examples. And this guy is, for whatever reason, really appealing to them. He's confident. And I think confidence is really attractive to people. Mm -hmm. Like he looks like he's very sure of himself and that's appealing to people. We like that. He's very certain of what he says and he's very clear about why it's great to be a man and you get all these things. And so maybe for young men without an alternative, they're like, yes, this makes actually a lot of sense. This ties into something that I've been thinking about for a while and that really worries me. I think that The Me Too movement and the conversations we've been having around the world and particularly in Australia when it comes to young men and women around consent, I think have been incredibly important and overdue. One of the effects of that is that you have a generation of young girls and boys that the girls potentially see every man as a rapist. They potentially see every sexual situation as one where they might be sexually assaulted. 
And the comparison that I give to Gen X's is that we came of age sexually at the time of AIDS and those very scary Grim Reaper ads, we associated sex with AIDS and dying at that time. And there's a lot of emotional baggage that a lot of Gen X's have about that because it just was a moment in time where these two things collided. I think when you've got a generation of girls who are perhaps having their first sexual experiences, I know that I've spoken to some girls who just kind of assume that that happens to everyone, that every woman has been sexually assaulted Mm. and that every woman is probably going to get raped. And there's a lot of that conversation in the culture about that. So I think that you've got a generation of young boys who are and young men who are potentially feeling like they're being branded as rapists or potential rapists when they're not. And so I wonder in this culture that we have of righting the wrongs of generations of women who have experienced these things, we have created this culture of shame, not just around sex, but in our society. I remember when people were very mystified about Donald Trump and we were listening to a podcast with Sam Harris making sense. And he said that he thought that the rise of Trump was about the fact that we were living in this shaming culture where you were shamed for using the wrong words, saying the wrong thing, telling a joke. And Trump was the antidote to that because he made you think, oh, you don't have to be ashamed of anything. All these secret thoughts you have, all these words you use, all these jokes you tell, whatever, they're fine. And Mm. I'm worse than you. So I wonder, I don't know if any of that makes sense, but I'm just throwing these things out there. What do you think, Suze? I completely agree. I agree because I've seen this with my own son. So, you know, my son's raised in a house with me. Like I teach feminism as a subject at uni. So, you know, we talk about these ideas all the time. Last year they had a speaker for International Women's Day. Come to school. He goes to a co-ed school. They had a speaker. He came home. I said, oh, how was the speaker for International Women's Day? He said, honestly, mum, me and my friends, my male friends, it just made us feel terrible about being men. At first I was like, eh. I was like, okay, so tell me why did you feel that way and, and what did the speaker say and let's talk about it. And so we, we talked it through. But like you said, Mia, if there is this feeling amongst men that, you know, we talk a lot about things like toxic masculinity and, and domestic violence and these are important, obviously good conversations. But if you're a young man trying to work out your place in the world and what it means to be a man and you feel like that's actually all you're hearing and your way of interpreting what you're being told is actually this is all your fault, even if that's not what's Mm. being said, but this is how brains are grappling with it, you can see why someone who is adamantly, confidently saying it is awesome to be a man and this is actually why you need to control women there would be some appeal in that message. I reckon there's a few things at play. I think the fact that casual dating and hookup culture means that a lot of people are having, men and women, are having less sex than they ever have in history. I think that that is playing a part because a lot of his appeal is how to get women and we're going to get a rise in that and it's like the incel thing where you see this response of men feeling rejected or like, They can't get women and then someone comes along, a guru, and says it's really easy. And I think that the other thing is he's probably really appealing to poor, disenfranchised men with his whole how to get rich thing because that's a way that they can find masculinity. But it's all all men. Like I know in Rebecca Sparrow who's now louder and she goes and speaks in schools to teenagers and they have to 
you know, write in a secret little message that no one sees, so it's not in front of their peers, what they're most worried about. And the girls will say things like, you know, friendships and Mm. boys and whatever. The boys, even young boys in like late primary school, early teens, say getting a good job, having enough money. Mm. So I think that men have, back to what you said at the start, Sue's about internalising this idea of what it means to be a man. For them, it means to be rich and a breadwinner. What it means to be a woman, we've broadened that definition in a short amount of time. And I agree with Susan that it's about certainty. There is something so compelling Mm. about listening to someone who is so sure of themselves and the parameters are so clear. And I don't think that we can overlook the fact that he's also playing in the troll space. So he knows that this is inflammatory. And Hotly recommended a little while ago a documentary that Louis Theroux did with a bunch of American trolls, essentially. This is what they do because it's also about courting attention. So he's a man who wants to make lots of money. And gaming the algorithm. Exactly right. When you make people feel outraged, you get a lot more virality. I reckon that it's a response to the earnestness that we see in other corners of the internet. Mm, and and scolding, the yes. constant scolding. So it's sarcasm and irony and we don't know where it starts and where it ends. Mother Mia Out Loud! If you want to make Out Loud part of your routine five days a week, we release segments on Tuesdays and Thursdays just for Mamma Mia subscribers. To get full access, follow the link in the show notes and a big thank you to all our current subscribers. It's time for best and worst. Mia, do you want to go first? My worst this week is just a quick one. I've just, I had a day yesterday where I just had anxiety and I treat my anxiety. I treat it with medication. I treat it with lifestyle things like exercise and sleep. And I've usually got a really good handle on it. But yesterday, for a bunch of reasons, I just felt it and it sucked and I feel better today. But Was it environmental? Like, was it something that was provoked by When I think about it, I can see mm. what provoked it. It's just not a nice feeling. I've just forgotten what a yucky feeling it is to feel anxious. And my best this week is the opening up of the conversation that I've seen going on around motherhood and career kicked off by Virginia Tapscott and that no filter. And then we talked about it on Out Loud. And what I've particularly loved is how many women who are at home full time with their children who said, I felt seen because my life is so rarely showcased and so rarely defended and discussed. And it was a great conversation. I don't think anyone felt attacked. People felt a bit defensive, Mm. but I just loved it. I thought it was great. Susan, what was your worst? My worst is winter. And before anyone comes at me, I know there are many global catastrophes happening right now. And I know in the great cosmic dance that winter is very important for the environment and nature and farmers. And I not only acknowledge that, I agree with you. But you don't I'm, have to justify your worst. I'm just That is cold. a trigger warning. Trigger warning. It's cold and it sucks. I'm just hard to agree. I'm so sick of being cold. The heat is always on. I'm always wearing warm clothes. I'm having hot showers and I'm sick of it. And I think we need a slight seasonal tweak. I think, you know, maybe winter could now just be one and a half, two months tops and then back to warm Mm, weather. So if someone could sort that out, maybe producer lies, if you could arrange that, that would be great. Yeah, she's on it. My best, you guys. Holly is back on Monday and this is my best (laughs) for a few reasons. Number one, while I have loved chatting with you ladies for a couple of weeks, it's actually slightly terrifying. So I'm glad to hand the terror back to Holly. I will back at you. (laughs) 
<laughs> but also it means I get to start listening to the podcast again. So I used to love listening to the podcast on a Monday night, for example, while I cook dinner. But while I'm on the podcast, I'm not listening mm. to it because, A, I've already heard it once, but more so I don't want to hear myself. You know how mm. you guys sort of describe yourselves as the friends in your ears? I don't want to be my friend in my ear. I'm not my friend. So <laughs> the ship will be righted. Holly is back and we, the audience, can all breathe a big sigh of relief. Sometimes my kids walk into a room and I'm listening to either out loud or no filter and they're like, oh, mum's listening to herself again. <laughs> It's not good for you. It's not good for you. My worst, I mean, you don't get much more first world than this, but safe space. I had to meet a man about the home loan, right? Because I'm thinking about Mm. house stuff. He's a tax man. I understand. My partner made the appointment. I turned up late. That was my contribution. (laughs) I arrive. He gets a piece of paper out. He's talking about interest, loan, blah, 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 blah. Fixed and variable. Oh, my God. God. Negative gearing. Oh, yeah. Negative. What is I don't that? Know. I don't know. And then he starts talking about an investment property and I was like, <laughs> sir, <laughs> we've not bought the first house. I am, You are a lot of steps ahead. Five-year, ten-year plans and I'm like, I, I'm, out. I'm just so out. But what I am incredibly good at is appearing to be following what someone's talking uh, about, right? It's, one it's of called my active skills. listening. Is it? Okay. Mm-hmm. Because I'm a people pleaser. I didn't want to offend him. He'd draw something and I'd go, oh, yep, 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 yep. I follow you. And then he would go, okay, so, you know, I've explained that you have half a percent interest on this, but it's a 10-year loan and this one is a one and a half percent interest and this is a six-month loan. Which one do you choose? And I was like, oh, shit, I'm back in year 10. I was was triggered. I was like, I remember the discomfort of this feeling. Uh. I was like, I don't know. And then we leave. I tried to distract Luca and just went, oh, what are we getting for dinner? And we got into bed that night and he said, I got 50% of it. If you understood 30, we did pretty well. Yeah. And I said, Luca, I don't know how to tell you this. (laughs) I don't know what a percentage. (laughs) (laughs) Bloody percentage question. do not know how to get into my bank account. So how about that? (laughs) I've forgotten my details. I can't calculate a percent. I can't divide. I can't multiply. I don't know where we were or what that was about, (laughs) but it was very distressing. How many percent do you think you got of the conversation? I understood when the invoice came. Oh, yeah. The invoice for the appointment. I got that. I was like, oh, okay, so that cost us however much money. So zero percent. Zero percent of the actual appointment. Yeah. No idea. No idea. And there's a podcast that Mum Mia does called What the Finance. Oh, you need to listen to that. I'm going to be going back and listening to that (laughs) because this ain't, it ain't cute. My best was um, I went on a work trip this week for a Mum Mia presentation that we do and I went to Brisbane, love Brisbane, haven't been since Mm. the border opened, and I went with my sister and we were presenting something that, you know, probably could have been a bit dry but Claire and I, we just have so much fun and we had one line in it that was probably not funny to anyone else. (laughs) We had to present the same presentation three times. Yeah, And every time she said it, we'd both crack up because we were like, (laughs) it's just such a stupid thing to say. Like we stayed in this hotel and we kind of were on the plane together. Do you stay in the same room? Work gives you a room each, which we're like, how ridiculous, we should share a bed. Aren't we generous? Aren't you generous? (laughs) And we used to sneak into each other's rooms because we'd get lonely. But now we do... Stay, stay the whole months. night. But in we get ready rooms. together. So when yeah, it's right. like you need to be ready at 7.45, we're like, let's do our hair. But it just reminded me of how lucky I am. Like our dream was always to work together, to write together, to record podcasts together, and it is my happy oh, place. Yeah. And there are so many sisters 
that I reckon would love that because yeah. you're so honest and it's just the best relationship. And so many twins as well yeah, who would like that. exactly. Recommendations, Mia, you've got one. Oh, yes. So I had my anxiety day yesterday and I remembered that I downloaded the Calm app and quite a few people have been talking about this. I think it costs a few bucks, but what I love about it, and it also is good if you've got other members of your family, you can just search like anxiety. There's a bunch of different ones, like there's an emergency five minute one and there's a 10 minute one and there's a travel anxiety one and there's and a what social. Is it? Is it- it's just someone talking you through a little, because oh. I can't meditate anymore. I find it a bit too difficult. So it's someone just talking you through breathing and stuff. Like a guided meditation. Yeah, sort of yeah, yeah. Guided. It's guided. It's a guided meditation. So you could just, you can listen to it in the car, obviously don't close your eyes, but I've been in situations with people where I've been in the car with them and I've just put it on, I've told them to put it on their headphones. You can do it yourself when you're traveling or if you're on a plane or even if you're at work and you just go for a little walk or sit in the park at lunchtime and just, it's great. What a great idea because I never know what to do. I understand I'll try and meditate for 10 minutes a day, but I never know what to do in the moment of panic. exactly. And I really was grappling and I was just like, I feel really awful. I've got that horrible yucky feeling and I just don't know how to shake it off, but I have to shake it off. And so I just did this and it didn't take it away completely, but it really helped. All right, I'm going to download that. So it's the Calm app. We will put a link to it in the Mamma Mia Outlouders newsletter, which goes out every Friday. Which is today. And in case you missed it before we go, Maya, I've heard a rumour that we have a new summit coming to We do. Maya. We have a skin summit. This is because I, not just because I'm obsessed with skin, but because the world is a bit obsessed with skin, but it's very confusing and it's easy to spend way too much money to really mess up your face. I've done all of those things. And so we have brought together, in the same way that we did for Very Perry, we've brought together 12 of the world's best experts in skin, in everything from how to know what you should spend money on, what you shouldn't, what are the foundations of a good skincare routine. It's over two nights. Tickets go on sale next week. But if you want to get the early bird out loud a discount, we will put a link in the show notes to join the wait list. I'm in it and it's hosted by Lee Campbell. And I heard a little, I heard that Zoe Foster Blake is in it. Might be in it. Zoe oh. Foster Blake might be talking about her skincare routine and Okay, I'm very excited. Can I request at least one session that once and for all puts to bed the dilemma of what goes on first, sunscreen or primer? Because yep. I've Googled and Googled mm. and there's, I cannot get a consensus. We need at least one session on that. Hot tip, you don't need primer, spoiler alert, but that's another story. You don't need primer, okay, now you're we wasting need two your time. Yeah, this. exactly. <laughs> it's about what order you put on products, which products you really need, because it can be incredibly overwhelming. That's all we've got time for today. Thank you so much for listening. The executive producer of Mum Mia Out Loud is Eliza Ratliff with audio production by Leah Porges. We will see you on Monday. And, Susan, we're going to miss you so much. Oh, thanks, We are going to miss you. Honestly, these two ladies make smart and funny look really bright and breezy. Dear listener, it's not. So I'm so glad (laughs) that Ollie's back. It's been fun. I'm very glad to be back to the professionals. We've loved you. Thanks, Suze. And And the the Outlouders is absolutely obsessed with you and love you as like we do. So thank you. And we'll see everyone next week. Big thanks to anyone listening who has become a Mamma Mia! subscriber. 
Subscribers get access to every podcast, exclusive videos and all the great articles on Mamma Mia. And of course, you will be supporting our team of female journalists and producers. Subscriptions cost as little as $5.75 a month. There's a link in our show notes.